Hello, this is Mike Etto and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops. Welcome to the 27th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Vines. Today we're going to be joined by Ronnie Fink from Modern Brewing in great old St. Louis, uh, Missouri. And uh, Ronnie, thanks very much for joining us today. Of course, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on with you guys. Uh, Ronnie, we've opened up a beer you sent us, the Citropolis. Uh, it's got a beautiful can. It's got the St. Louis Arch on it and uh, made with one of our favorite hops, Citra. Of course, yes. Well, it's my favorite hop of all time, so I appreciate you guys uh, uh, doing such a good job with it. Well, Ronnie, tell us a little bit about uh, Modern Brewer. You're the, the chief brewer and one of the founders, co-founders. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, we actually opened in 2014. Uh, so still a pretty young company, four years in, but, uh, you know, we're on the smaller side. We do, we're probably going to do about 1,500 barrels this year. Um, but, yeah, you know, we are five employees, so very small operation. But, uh, you know, it's an exciting time to be in St. Louis for beer. Yeah. Uh, so, Ronnie, I, you've got another fairly big brewery there in town, if I remember right. Uh, starts with an yeah. A and ends with the bush. I, for, <laughs> I forget which one that is, but, yeah, I think uh, I've heard about that one before. Yeah, I'm not uh, not picking up any resemblance to Budweiser with this. Not that Budweiser is <laughs> not a great beer, but this, uh, this certainly is really good. Yeah, has lots of juicy flavors and uh, my my kind of beer. Uh, it's it's. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, nice. um, we we love citra hops, so um, we definitely wanted to make a beer that uh, represented it. Um, so it's not too bitter, not too overpowering. Mm. You know, we really feel like that uh, as long as you like craft beer, that uh, you can enjoy it. It's but, delicious. But tell us a little bit more about modern, uh, um, Ronnie. So you you and uh, was like a high school friend that started this, is that right, or something like that? Yeah. Um, so me and a buddy from high school, um, after our undergraduate degrees, we both went to the uh, UC Davis's brewing program. Uh, you know, and we had aspirations of one day opening a brewery together. Um, so after we graduated, I actually got my first brewing job in Lawrence, Kansas, at Free State Brewing. If you've ever had oh sure stuff before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was a, a great time for me, uh, my first brewing job. And, you know, they were uh, also small at the time, but now growing. And, you know, I was able to see a lot of the brewing process and get my hands uh, dirty in all uh, aspects of the job. And then uh, four years later, moved back to St. Louis. And um, my business partner, Beamer, had worked on getting investors. And, you know, four years later, and we're making beer. What, uh, what has been different for you going through the startup of the brewery in these first four years relative to what you were expecting at the time you were making plans and uh, designing your your brewery yeah well it was quite the undertaking i'm sure uh, that anyone would tell you uh, you think you're ready and then you don't really know what you're doing until you're uh, <laughs> knee deep mm-hmm. but when I, you know when i was at free state it was all set up for me so you know i thought i knew everything of how to you know brew filter do cellar work but you know when you open a a new brewery there's total different uh, atmosphere and uh, hoops to go through but you know overall I feel like it was a blessing you know all the things I thought I knew now I knew tenfold um, but you know really all of my contacts I had met in you know the short time I've been in the brewing industry really helped me uh, my old boss Steve Rott uh, that was at Free State really helped me with any question I ever needed or uh, you know when we were opening in St. Louis all the breweries here were you know uh, invaluable information all the time no matter what we needed so you know it's it's a great uh, atmosphere in st louis and they really uh welcomed us with open arms well, 
That that's such a great sign of the culture of craft beer in general. That that spirit of collaboration, uh, helping each other out. Um, I think that's really contributed to uh, craft beer's popularity over the past uh, decade plus. Uh, is uh, just that spirit that you guys have to, uh, you know, occasionally uh, share a recipe or. or Help each other out with hops or or, or expertise uh, or equipment. Um, it's uh, something that uh, to be to be commended. Oh yeah, I mean, and it really makes for you know a job you like doing every day. You know, any job becomes work, but you know, at the end of the day, when you can go to another local brewery and sit down or a festival, you know, actually enjoy everyone's success, it makes it a lot better for everyone. And St. You're from St. Louis, right, Ronnie? You and uh, Beamer. Yes, born and raised. And St. Louis is one of the great both beer towns and baseball towns of, of the United States. Uh, you know, one of my, I still remember one of the first books I read on baseball was, I think, the Joe Torre story. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Joe Torre and Joe Garagiola both grew up catchers in St. Louis. And I remember yep. reading about them talking about, killing, you know, for on behalf of their father, carrying pails of beer. Which mm-hmm. how you used to do it, right? You'd carry a pail of beer from home to, to dad at night and uh, talking about that in St. Louis. Is that where the term home run came from? It could be. <laughs> <laughs> get that get that bucket home, yeah. 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 Right. And well, you know Tori is basically the first manager I remember uh, you know, growing up here. So Sure. I mean everyone thinks of uh, you know, Tony LaRusa and all the wonderful years he had there, but Joe Torrey was a manager right before yep. Tony got there. So Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, it was pivotal, I think, in, you know, keeping the atmosphere in St. Louis, you know, when we weren't winning, you know, World Series. Uh, um, you know, the competition was still really high, and, you know, everyone in St. Louis still loved to go into the ballpark even when we weren't winning pennants. So, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and then he left and, you know, had a success in New York, so I really feel bad for him. St. Louis has had a history of uh, really great catchers. You go back to Tim McCarver, to Joe Torre, and, of course, you got to hear Molina right now. You know, yep. uh, is he, he, he's got to be probably the oldest position player on the Cardinals yet, right? Maybe Adam Rain, Wainwright's a little bit older, but uh, wow, what a great catcher yeah, Yachty has Wayno, been over the years. Yeah, yeah Wainwright's 37, I think, or about to be, and, you know, Yachty's getting close, so. Yeah. You guys just got Wainwright back for the, uh, the final push here to secure that uh, wild card spot. That's good news. It is great news. I mean, everyone in St. Louis loves Wayno, and, you know, last night, you know, six uh, – no, six innings, no runs against the Dodgers. We were pretty happy. Kind of, you know, we lost three or four, but you know, it was a good way to end the series. At least, you know, still tied with the Dodgers for the next wild card. So, yeah, it's exciting right now in the National League. I mean, the American League is pretty well done. The only question is whether the uh, it'll be the A's playing at New York or New York playing in Oakland. But uh, in the in the National League, it's very wide open yet. What's going to happen? It's pretty exciting. Well, you guys uh, are in good position, too, because you end the season with uh, the Cubs and the uh, Brewers, a couple teams that uh, you're trying to reel in a little bit, especially Milwaukee with the uh, with the wild card spot. Oh, yeah, I think we have 12 games left, and uh, we have Milwaukee, Atlanta, San Fran, and uh, the Cubbies in the year. It's going to be really exciting around here. Yep. Sounds like fun. What were the uh, what were the earliest teams you remember watching, uh, Ronnie, when you were a kid growing up? Uh, which Cardinal f- were your first favorite pl- players, and who do you like now? Well, I think, like I said, the Joe Torre teams of the 90s, uh, players like uh, 
I don't know if you guys know know him, but Brian Jordan and Ray Langford, these uh, really athletic outfielders that, you know, I think Langford had an all-star game. But, you know, just they weren't perennial all-stars, but, man, they were gifted. And, you know, watching them play defense because, you know, I feel like that's very uh, underrated these days. It was just like, you know, every game they were, you know, well, whether you're bulldozing a catcher or making a diving catch, um, it was really awesome. Then. But now, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite player with the Cardinals. I feel like they're all just doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, we don't really have, besides Matt Carpenter right now, because he was on the hottest streak uh, I've seen in a while, we don't really have a perennial all-star. And we, I think we thought we were going to get that with Ozuna, but, you know, he had a little bit of a rocky start. But, you know, he's coming on now. It's a he's perfect coming time, on now, so. yeah. I like I just I like uh, I mean Jordan Hicks anybody that can throw that fast is, is pretty fun oh to watch God. as well. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with him in the future if they'll be a you know your closer or not. I mean everyone here thinks you should be, but you never know. Jose Martinez out there in the outfield too. He seems to be a a, a pretty good ball player with uh, I think he's still hitting around three hundred more yeah, I think or less it's with three hundred one uh, or something like that. Yeah, yeah with. I mean, uh, I don't know, 16, 20 home runs, a little bit of pop in the bat. And, uh, um, yeah, you know, St. Louis always has a baseball team that's in the thick of it. And uh, uh, it's on my bucket list to make it to St. Louis for a ball game. I haven't been there yet. Um, When I do come, I can guarantee you I'm going to visit Modern Brewery and uh, sample (laughs) some more of this Citropolis. But, uh, um, yeah, I've always uh, appreciated the St. Louis fans it just looks like they're a very knowledgeable fan base um not like going to a game in yankee stadium where <laughs> you, you're gonna get beer spilled on you or, or yeah something well, the worse. birds come out pretty early <laughs> in New York, yeah but plus uh, you can wear your red and white uh, yakima chief hat and you fit right in and absolutely Louis. yeah yeah that uh, that's gonna work out nice looking forward to that at some point uh what's the deal with uh, mike matheny you know he uh uh, was let go here just a couple months ago. Was he just, was it a chemistry deal or uh, what you was know, the deal when, there? When he came in, they were winning. So I think all the little quirks and the things that people didn't really like that he did, they just looked past because he was winning. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he never was the best manager, I would say. You know, he did, he made a lot of mistakes with the bullpen and what he was trying to do, but he seemed like he was the general. seemed mm-hmm. like people love playing for him and then last year you know i think it, it was yachty first that came out and said something you know it's like oh well if yachty says something about mike matheny you know there's got to be something going wrong and then yeah. with the start of the year you know it was just bound to happen mm-hmm. just everything he did just it just didn't work out i think it was you know you know i think a lot of people were glad that they didn't wait till the end of the year you know they didn't want to like talk about that the entire year and then you know Schilt comes in, and, you know, he can't do anything wrong. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, like the Cardinals have been yeah. winning since the change, that's for sure. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, he has the best record in the NL since he took over. So That's where, that's where you want to be in September, in the middle of a pennant race and things going more right than wrong, that's for sure. Definitely. I wish I knew what that felt like. <laughs> <laughs> As a long-suffering Seattle Mariner fan here. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, there's a lot of good teams that have come through there. It's just, uh, just can't get it done in the in the series. Yeah, it's hard to believe that we had it on the roster at one time Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Edgar Martinez, and Randy Johnson. 
And um, oh, did wasn't Jay Buner around then too? Yeah, Buner was on the ball ball team at that time as well. And uh, um, the only way we we're going to make it to the World Series is if we bought tickets. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, he was one of my favorite players growing up. I still uh, have his jersey in my basement. So yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh, generational talent, no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Well, Ronnie, have you ever made it out to uh, Yakima? Have you ever seen the hops growing out here? I have not. You know, I've, I've uh, been lucky enough to see them in Belgium, but, you know, I keep trying to get Steve Lahneman to invite me out, but it seems like he's uh, <laughs> dragging his feet a little bit. <laughs> we'll have to get – well, dragging his feet, he's a soccer guy. That's the problem, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we're trying to get a soccer team in St. Louis, but, you know, I don't know if that's going to help me out. <laughs> uh, we'll have to get you out here next year. It's uh, we're we're just about fifty percent through with the hops here, Steve. I mean, we got in over fifty percent now, I should say. And uh, yeah, volume wise, uh, yes, uh, we're still we we get hops delivered to uh, our warehouses, and we've got a couple of folks that we work with that handle hops for us to take everything in. So we're we're constantly counting and checking the numbers. But uh, right. from from a volume standpoint, we're a about halfway, a little over halfway probably. Oregon is, uh, will probably wrap up this week uh, down there. They're a little bit earlier than we are up here in Washington and also in Idaho. We got our fresh hops last week of Citra to do a, a wet hop, Citropolis. So we were really excited to finally get them for the first time. Nice. So. They made it. That that makes, uh, I probably will sleep tonight knowing that those hops made it there <laughs> on time. Um, right, perfect condition. Yeah, that that's good to know. Uh, and and the uh, the most of the guys I was out and about uh, over the weekend visiting some growers here in the Yakima Valley, and I think most guys are have their harvest facilities geared up to be done probably by the end of next week. So uh, we have kind of a milestone event here towards the end of harvest called the Fresh Hop Ale Festival, where the local brewers that uh, have uh, had fresh hops delivered to them will showcase their uh, wonderful hoppy aromatic beers so looking forward to that uh, a week from saturday ronnie are you going to do some kind of a special event for your fresh hop beer an oktoberfest or any kind of a you know week weekend event for the uh, fresh hop citropolis we are we're trying to get uh 10 of our best accounts um because it's all going in draft um so we're all going to try to you know spread out as much as we can over a two-day span have uh, 10 different places release it um, be the first ones to get it so you know it, it's a totally different um uh hop aromatically in a good way though you know it's totally different and it also shows how great citra is i couldn't get over you know the well obviously the green characteristics but also the uh it's got a nice floral aspect to it and still has that juiciness but it's just you know a different beast mm -hmm. No, it's a great hop. Uh, one of the things I've been very impressed with this year so far is just the quality of our hops. And I, I think part of it is just our growers have really stepped up this year and, and uh, some of their cultural practices, growing practices, have kind of tweaked them to get their harvest dates uh, uh, aligned uh, to where we would like to see it. And then uh, the weather this year has just been absolutely amazing. We've had... Uh, cool weather we haven't had that 100 degree stuff that we usually have and that's been conducive to uh, just a great quality crop this year how does the uh, recently it's gotten a little bit cooler quite quickly especially down to, down to you know the low 40s yep. at night how does that impact you know hop harvest in this time of year steve what uh, what happens with this kind of 
for real rapid deceleration in temperatures. Yeah, we had a real cool wind yesterday on Sunday here, and it kind of ushered in the unofficial uh, start of uh, the fall weather. But typically what that'll do is even enhance uh, ripening even faster. Mm. So it uh, it might be a sprint to the finish line here for uh, a lot of the growers as uh, those uh, hops... Uh, ripen at an even faster pace than what they have. So it, it, it allows the workforce to work harder just because it's not so hot all the time, mm -hmm. but they got to also work harder just because the hops are maturing more quickly. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's in trouble. I think it'll still be an orderly end of the harvest, but uh, it'd be real dire situation if we had an early frost. That's mm -hmm. happened before, and that has the effect of uh, somewhat liquefying that uh, hop cone and creating issues, but the forecast for the next 10 days is for lows in the uh, lower 40s uh, to mid 40s. So uh, unless uh, Mother Nature throws us a curveball, so to speak, I think we'll be in good shape. And, and a freeze is uh, down at 32 or below for several hours in a row or to just touch it? Or yeah, how do you define it really needs to damage. get down to, you know, mid to upper 20s for an extended period of time to really cause damage. Um, mm. It's been a few years since we've seen that uh, early frost here in uh, at least the Yakima Valley in southern Idaho. How, how does that impact, because uh, by that time you're mostly done with the aroma hops, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So you're really looking at some of more of the alpha hops. Does what have an impact on yield or alpha or, or both or color or how, how does how does it when's the last time we had a hard freeze and then what's the impact on the yeah it's it's more of an impact on yield and alpha mm -hmm. but uh, if they have to set too long before they're picked it can also have an effect on alpha as well mm -hmm. uh, gosh I can't remember the last time we've had uh, something here in the valley of that magnitude it's been decades probably okay. since we've had that. So that's another reason uh, the, the Valley and uh, our, our colleagues in uh, Oregon and Idaho, this is just a great hop growing area, right? It's pretty hard to get away from a pretty plus or minus a certain percentage over uh, over a normal crop, right? Yeah, there's a reason more than 97% uh, of the hops are grown here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, not only do we have the infrastructure here, but uh, it's very conducive to um, producing good quality hops. Well, Ronnie, thank you, uh, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Uh, thanks for sending us your great beer. Uh, it's it's exciting to see um, craft breweries really taking off in St. Louis as well as Steve set up. Obviously, there's a couple of big guys down there, but uh, it is a good beer town. It's a great baseball town, and it's just exciting to continue to see craft beer, uh, you know, increasing its uh, popularity throughout the United States, including in uh, old old line beer towns like uh, St. Louis. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor, and I hope to make it out there sometime soon. Well, just tell Steve you better invite me. Right? And and, uh, and likewise, Ronnie, look forward to make it making it to St. Louis and looking you guys up sometime in the near future. And whether it's baseball or brewing, uh, we're wishing you nothing but good hops. Well, thank you very much. I you know I hope uh, there's some wins uh, in the future for Seattle, so you can enjoy the playoffs. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope for sometime before. Uh, uh, I'm still on this earth to maybe have a St. Louis-Seattle World Series. Uh, we can hope. I'd love to visit <laughs> Seattle for our series. <laughs> All right. Take care, Ronnie. Thanks, guys. Well, Steve, there's a there's a few varieties that are coming in a little bit light uh, mm -hmm. so far this year. Um, you know, is that 
again you go back to is that that heat in may you think that caused that or is it uh, yeah you know what do you think um, behind some of that yeah some of the early maturing varieties were adversely affect by affected by the spring weather we we had uh june weather in may and may weather in in june mm -hmm. and uh it's always a little bit of a crapshoot uh, in terms of uh, picking training dates because you don't know for sure what that weather is going to be right afterwards. So uh, in our case, the uh, two varieties that were um, not significantly but, but somewhat adversely affected were uh, Centennial and then also to a certain extent Simcoe. Mm -hmm. um, our yields would be off on a little bit, a little bit on both of those varieties. Um, the, uh, the Oregon guys had a great Willamette crop. Mm -hmm. Um, the Idaho guys are enjoying a really good Chinook crop down there mm -hmm. and, uh, we're picking Citra right now. Uh, most of the growers I talked to over the weekend, uh, seem to be pretty happy with their, uh, Citra yield so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, uh, Mosaic has just be begun, uh, picking there, um, I, if I were guessing today, I would say mosaic might be just a little bit tight as well, mm -hmm. uh, but um, uh, we'll know here in about uh, a week or so. Is there anything about the ancestry of Centennial and Simcoe that there's a common grandmother in this in terms of uh, an original hop that might have caused those two to both be a little bit off this year and maybe others not affected by the weather in the same way uh genetically they're not real similar so i'm not sure that's the uh the case i think it has to do with uh more with the maturity of the variety in that picking window and then planting uh planning back towards that to get that right picking date and a lot of times especially with the uh, early varieties um, and germany would be a very good example this year the those uh, noble varieties which are early hops in germany uh, across the board uh, are suffering from uh, right. um, less than optimum yields. So I think that's more of the factor than genetics. So, so far, uh, quality is great. Yields just a little behind expectation, but overall it's a pretty good crop here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I'm very happy with the quality so far. Uh, we've still got, like I said, here in, you know, in Washington and southern Idaho, we still have... Uh, probably 10 days to two weeks of picking left mm -hmm. uh, but what we've seen so far uh, I think our customers will be happy with uh, uh, the hops that we send them so they can make their beer. Well, we had uh, last week was our first week where we had a pretty full week of uh, customers coming in we've got a lot more this week and next week and so uh, but yeah last week they were overall very happy with the quality of what they've seen so hopefully that carries forward this week. Yeah. They like the quality, and, and from what I'm hearing so far, they love the uh, new selection app that we've got uh, right. to help assist them in uh, making sure they get the right hops for their beer. Yep, very good. All right, well, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. All righty.